You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin. I am here with my two main honchos, Dan and Jason. What up, cuz? Hey. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining today, and uh, we're excited to get back at it. Uh, back at it, yo. <laughs> we, uh, we've got an interesting topic today, uh, spurred by a recent YouTube video that we watched, and so we'll get into it. But uh, we, but first, let's uh, talk about Geek Week. I'm going to kick it off this week. Uh, I just received in the mail a gently used PS4 Pro. That's okay. What is what does that mean? What are you using it for? Games. It's <laughs> So did you just get bored with your Xbox or No, no. I see I knew you guys were going to ask questions. That's why I stopped well, right that's, in. Well, you paused and so we decided that we had to ask questions cuz you it's... weren't going to be able to keep going. Exactly. I thought a PS5 would be news. We'd be like, "Dude, you got a PS5?" <laughs> I know. Dude, got I got a one? PS3. Wait, what? Huh? <laughs> right. So, yeah, that was a dramatic pause, just like a vague uh, Facebook post, right? I'm fishing for uh, questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I no, just I, cast. I just cast right. out. I got a gently used PS4 Pro because my brother um, got a PS5, and for my birthday, he sent me his PS4 that has um, his profile and a whole bunch of games loaded up on it that I have ah. never played because I, have ne- I don't have a PS4. Okay. So cool. it's got you know God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn. It's got uh, all the Uncharted games. It's got uh, Last of Us One and Two. Um, See, you're did... right. Your your timing is marvelous because when they come out with the new console, everything on the last generation is still amazing, and yet the price is going down, and it's easy to get a hold of. We've done yeah. this before, and you're doing it right. You're playing it right. I'm really proud of you. Yeah, I mean, the price is fantastic. It's f- literally free for all of it. So, you know, I exactly. can't complain too much. You can't. It's <laughs> right. It's so, yeah. So, I'm excited for that. I just got it. So, after the podcast, I'll probably plug it in and give it a little whirl. Um, other than that, I finished the show I was telling you guys about, Search Party. Um, it was four seasons, ten episodes each. Um, and I made it, actually, it might have been five seasons. No, it was four seasons. Four seasons. Yeah. And, um, I made it to the end and it got super dark at the end of first season. It went even darker, got really weird in season four. And, um, they, they hit all the notes that I think that they were trying to with the, the show. Right. I think I told you guys about this, right? It's like four they're either very young millennials or like yes. a little bit older generation Z. They're like mid twenties right now. Yes. And they're like Uber, con- like conceited, like super into their own lives. No awareness of anyone. Like the whole the, world revolves was, around them. We talked about this and it was difficult to find a sympathetic character. Yes. In the beginning. Yes. Yes. And then you kind of started to get to know them and realize that like, they're not bad people. They're just act bad. You know, I don't know how to explain it. Anyway, I the, the story was kind of compelling. It was kind of interesting. It sucked me in. I watched all four seasons, and they got to the point at the in season four 
where like the title you know how that you know how every show does that where the title ends up marrying up with the theme of the show there's like that moment where you're like so that's why this is called search party you know and so like there's a you know the moment was is they were searching for this last person and they're like quote-unquote search party but at the end they're just like you know they're talking in season four about how um they uh you know they they were totally lost in their lives that they didn't know what to do that they didn't have any direction that you know and i and i think they hit on some really interesting notes there because it was um like some generational angst that i think exists amongst a lot of young people today um you know but like what do i do with my life where do i find meeting like you know, I go through college, I come out of college, and I have these jobs that kind of are unfulfilling, and, you know, like, where do I find that spark that's supposed to kind of push me forward in my life? Bunch and, of whiners. Yeah, I mean, they all kind of hit on it, and, you know, because <laughs> you had gone through four seasons, you kind of sympathized with them. Um, but here's the deal. They had wrapped it up with a beautiful, shiny, big, giant Lexus Christmas event bow. Right okay. with the show, and then thirty seconds after, boom, something happened. Cliffhanger, season five and six is announced, and I'm like, I'm not watching uh, it. I'm uh, not. I'm not even gonna watch it because it was wrapped up perfectly, and they yeah. just said, "Oh, here, let's make some more money. We gotta milk it. Yeah, gotta so, hit on our hands, people. So, so I'm done with Search Party. I don't care if there's a season five or six. It it ended where it needed to for me, and I'm good. Um, but what this did allow me to do, and this is the whole point of this Geek Week right now, I finally clicked on the right app to watch The Expanse. (laughs) So I am one season and two episodes in. I've already watched like 10 episodes. You're moving really fast. I got right back into it at the end of season, about halfway through season two, and now I'm a few episodes into season three. You will probably lap me at this rate. Yeah, that's one of those shows I put on when it's just a me show. It's just me watching TV by myself. I don't have to compete with other people's interests. But uh, that was in my Geek Week 2 is The Expanse because I'm really enjoying it. And it's picking up steam and I like it a lot. And um, I'm excited to get through season three and see what season four has got. So it's kind of interesting because I go from Search Party which was all centered around the characters, right? And they had their conceited lives and stuff like that. And then I go to The Expanse, and I'm like, okay, these are some great characters. You know what I mean? Because the characters in the search party were super shallow, and they were designed that way. Sure. But this one, like, I'm like, okay, these guys have got some backstory. There's, like, you know, there's uh, previous history and issues and... You know, uh, they it and it's not cheesy or ham-fisted. It really makes them complicated characters, you yeah. know. And um, they've got some inter-party conflict sometimes that they got to work through. That is, it doesn't feel forced. And so I'm like, this is this is some steak and potatoes. The other stuff was just chocolate milk, I guess. I don't know. I'll be honest. It is the closest thing. If you, if you've watched, if you watch, if you got through Battlestar Galactica Uh and, and want to watch something like that without all the metaphysical spiritual stuff, the expanse is there for you. And it doesn't, it doesn't go overboard with the dark, dark thing, even though it's a pretty dark show, there's bad things that happen, but it, it doesn't like, 
you can watch three or four episodes and not, you know, want to go slit your wrists. And there were a while there for Battlestar. It was like, Whew, geez, it was geez, heavy. Can anybody lighten up here? Um, yeah. But but they know how to to balance it in and out. What I like about the Expanse is that it shows how technology affects humanity and civilization. Right. Uh-huh. So the technology to colonize Mars, the technology to colonize the belt. And um, how does that affect humanity? And what direction does humanity go when it's separated into big yeah. chunks of human beings spread across? I find that is so much more interesting than saying, a, a, you know, a 40K universe where all intelligent life practically is human life and, and we dominate everything and we all, always wear armor and shoot people. Um, I, I think the opposite of that is the expanse, which is like, okay, well you got, you have people in, in with economic conditions and, right. and opinions and feelings and all that stuff. How many, yeah. uh, how many seasons did you say you were in Dan? Say that again. How many seasons did you say you were in to the uh, expanse? I'm in about third season, uh, three or four episodes in. Okay. Have Have any of you guys read the books? No. no. Why would I ruin Why would I ruin this okay. by reading the books? Right. So I like I did, we talked about this before, right? Where I read, uh, I was burrowing through the series, but then one of the books wasn't available. It was only available on Audible, and that, like I I didn't yeah. I didn't want to leap the book, and I didn't want to pay Audible for one month for the book, so I just uh, dropped the series, unfortunately. But I tried started to read it, but um, it's interest. I'll be interested to see when you get deeper in if you still think that it is about what you just said it's about. And I'll leave it at that. I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a really good point. I, I, if I, I still I, I'm think that you. it's about what I think, oh, about uh, humanity being separated yeah. and all that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll say, ha- you know, part halfway through the series, it took a drastic turn on what the series was about. Great. I can't so I'm curi- wait. I'm curious to see if they kept that with the TV show or if they... You know, a lot of times, I think the first season, I watched the first season of The Expanse, and it was very true. There were a couple tiny things, but it was very true to the first book. Right. Like, almost perfectly, with some tweaks. Um, I'm curious to see if they get several seasons in, if they stay that, or if they kind of start to diverge from the series. Kind of like a Game of Thrones type situation. Stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, no, it's... um, it, that's not necessarily what the series is about, but the, the kind of the, the sci-fi pretext is the conflict is coming from, you know, at this point in the story, the, con- it is, yes, the primary yes. conflict is coming from the fact that you, yeah. you know, th- there are large tribes of humanity that are not, uh, you know, uh, unified by living on the same sphere. There's racism. Yeah, and, you know, development of languages and cultural norms and stuff like that. And I think that's more interested than saying, hey, I live here, you live there. It's They really work hard in the show to make sure that the, the belters have accents and have mm-hmm. a language and stuff. It's oh, yeah. good yeah. world building. And um, they had some lightweight religious stuff in there. They would men- mentioned a religion that I belong to in, in a couple of the episodes. <laughs> right, forgot about that. And, yeah. uh, you know... Uh, I I usually don't like it when my religion is portrayed in the future. It, it's usually in a somewhat negative light, but it wasn't completely negative. So you know, I, I, I think about that. It. I think about that when I see it, and I, I'm like, oh, they're talking about me. And then I'm like, oh, but you know what? How many times have we done that with Catholicism? Yeah. With, you know, Islam and just all those. It's like every religion gets it. Yeah, everybody. Well, so it wasn't the wasn't the the priest in Firefly Muslim. Um. Yeah, or some derivative of it that far yeah. into the future. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't think it was Islam, 
that was his religion specifically, but I th- it might have been. I don't know. I, I thought it was Islam. Shepherd no, I had book? to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it was one of those where it felt like it was tendencies of it, but maybe it wasn't directly mentioned. We'll have to, we'll get back to you, people. Listeners, <laughs> we'll get back to you. Or just Google it and figure it out yourself. All right. Well, since we're talking about the expanse, and that was one of my Geek Week. Are you done with your Geek Week, Justin? Is oh, that, yeah. I'm done. Are we yeah, segueing in? Yes, so, do it. I'm also watching Tehran, which is like a very realistic James Bond type situation between the Mossad and Israel and uh, the uh, Iranian intelligence. Um, apparatus it's very intense show we we can only do one my wife and i just watch one a night we're like okay let's watch something else now uh it's very good it's only eight episodes i don't know if they're doing a season two but that's on apple tv plus i i i give it a thumbs up also started watching on your guys's recommendation umbrella academy and i'm i'm liking it i'm chipping my way through season one i'm watching that one with my spouse so it takes forever to get through a season (laughs) Um, yeah and my daughters are like uh they're trying not to spoil us and they're doing the best they can but they're like can you just finish watching it so we can talk to you about it i'm like shut up so there's that uh and for all mankind uh, also on apple tv plus is on season two has started up and it is very good it's the alternate future what would happen if the russians got to the moon before the united states and now they're yeah. in the now they're in the 1980s in season two, and it's good stuff, and I'm liking it. I I really like the first season, and and it's done by Ronald D. Moore, Ronald D. Moore, who did Battlestar and and um, Deep Space Nine, and, and a lot of the guys who he brought with him on those two series are also on For All Mankind. Nice. So it it's uh, it's my kind of TV. Um, Speaking of, did you hear that um, the guy who played Saul Ty? Um, either had like a like had a massive stroke oh no yeah and ended up like like he's pretty uh incapacitated now oh yeah no. it's kind of really sad he's such a great his name escapes me at the moment i'll imdb it but um i really liked him i liked him uh michael hogan michael hogan yeah michael hogan a great canadian actor one of the greats of the great white north i hope he pulls through yeah he's a super fella um, I also bought a new work tool uh, that's also a fun tool. I've used it for fun more than I've used it for work. I bought a nicer whiteboard for my office game room. Uh, so it has, uh, I got yelled at because they had one that was four feet by three foot at Walmart for $15. And I bought mine for 150 on Amazon. It was 320 MSRP, um, but it's magnetic and I'm using all these fun rare earth magnets on it, and it has a a light grid pattern, a dot grid pattern, which is really cool. Um, and it's well built, and it has a 20-year warranty, so I'm excited uh, about my whiteboard. And we've already used it for gaming twice. And nice. I used it for work zero times. So <laughs> now we know why I really bought it. Um, we had friends over, we played some dominoes, we kept score on it, and I also planned an RPG session for my older RPG group on it, and it was fun to take the cards that I have, I have cards with stat blocks, it was fun to move them around on the board to figure out which baddies they're going to encounter at which part of the night. Um, that gets into my next Geek Week thing, and I think it's a show topic, but it's too lame to be a show topic, which is zoom rpg fatigue i'm getting really done with zoom rpgs um 
I floated to my older group. I said, hey, guys, uh, you know, when everybody gets vaccinated, we all need to get back together. And a few people were uh, really iffy about that. And I was like, oh, screw you guys. And then on my newer group, I tried to do half in person and half uh, virtual because I have a nice round, mo- you know, one of these curved monitors that fits, fits real nice on my game table. And it does a pretty decent job of simulating people sitting at the at the at the table. I was hoping to get at least two people to show up in person for a hybrid game. I only got one, so I'm I'm thinking about canceling my older group just out of pure Zoom RPG exhaustion. And and uh, if I don't get more people showing up in person for my hybrid game, I may I may go on a, an extended hiatus, which will drive them crazy because I know most of the players just bought a lot of books for the game. So. Yeah, yeah. I um I we're doing uh we're doing all Zoom right. Um, we we only have it once a month, and um one of our players Lincoln said, hey, like soon we should be like when are we getting together in person to do it? And um, I was about to say, oh yeah, let's totally do it, and then Jason reminded me that we have Mike who is in Idaho. I'm like, <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> you know there's that there's that so um i don't know like because i would love to get back together in person and do it you know i mean i think that that would be really awesome um i mean but i don't want to also like leave mike high and dry you know yeah so you get a laptop you open it up you turn you plug in an external set of speakers so you can hear what he has to say i, I it mean it worked in gen con when we it did the foot of the table or Guildcon, you mean? Guildcon, Guildcon yeah. Sorry, Guildcon. Yeah, it did. It did. And and we'll probably have to do something similar. Maybe we'll do it at your house, Jason, and go in your dungeon room. Uh, yeah, we can. It might have a bunch of exercise and equipment, <laughs> but we'll make it work. <laughs> uh, we refer to that as torture equipment. That's torture equipment. right. Yeah, this is for stretching. <laughs> so uh, we the had other a, person? We, had, we had a buddy of ours who was who was uh, DMing a D&D group that was a subset of our play group and he was a player and a, G- a DM for us over the years and he just one day said I'm not having fun anymore this is the last game good night and kind of hung up the phone on everybody um, I'm wondering if that's the wrong approach but I sit in this chair for 40 hours a week doing work. I sit in this chair. I teach a class. I'm podcasting with you guys. Anything Uh in my life that deals with Zoom, I'm sitting in the seat. And frankly, it's slowly driving me insane. I think I'm going insane. You got to get a standing desk, man. I don't think it's the standing. I just think it's just the... It's the the type of engagement. It's the doing the same thing over and over again. And so am I... Are you, and this kind of leads into our show topic a little bit, but if it's not fun anymore, why are we doing it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so as the guy who's running the game and making sure everybody's having a fun old time and I'm sitting here going, well, that was a whole lot of work and I'm not having fun, but I know how much pressure, so peer pressure I'll get for killing the game. It's tough. It's a tough situation. I don't know the, my answer. I was hoping you, know, you guys I, could give me some advice. I would say if you're feeling that the end is near, just be honest and say, hey, guys, uh, you know, just so you know, I think we're going to wrap this up and maybe give them t- not just one session, but maybe give them like two sessions. Say we're going to wrap this up in two sessions. Yeah. Yeah, we're at a, you give you give people a heads up. Here's yeah. the deal is um, you just may need to, in my opinion, you just may need to switch 
it switch it up a little bit. So instead of some RPGs, let do some board games with people in person that you know are going to come over and play. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and yeah. and just switch it up a little bit until you feel the RPG bug, you know, biting you a little bit. I'd um, rather I'd rather put them on hiatus for a month and come back than kill the group. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I, there you go. It's time yeah. you need you need a break. I we need some space. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry for my geek week turning into my personal therapy, but here we are. It's uh March again. Uh last March we started quarantine and it's been almost a full year minus a few days. Yeah, it and has. uh Guess what? RPGs held up really well over Zoom compared to a lot of other things because we did yeah. tabletop sim and everything else. RPGs held up great. However, after a year, I, I'm a bigger gamer than just an RPG gamer. Yeah, You wouldn't agreed. think that by listening to this podcast because it seems to be the only thing I'm talking about, but it's also my only gaming right now. It's been the, it's yeah. been the easiest type, the easiest way to game with other people. Yeah. I think the it tabletop is. simulator worked pretty well and we were using that pretty heavily for a while and I don't know why that fell off for us. But uh, but it did time. for some reason. Yeah, our our time. schedule. So so in the beginning, remember, it's like every all activities were canceled. That's true. So we now had excuses. Yeah, now they're all back, and we still have some weird restrictions. So um, that's true. We yeah. should still try to do it again. Some I more agree. tabletop sim. Yeah, definitely. T-T-S. I've got. Hey, I downloaded that Blood Rage game that we have not even cracked. Oh over. yeah, we got to play that. Yeah. There we go. So. Please anyway. invite me. I need something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason, how was your geek week, buddy? Uh, it was it was not bad, man. So um, I, uh, as as my wife says, I seem to flip around with different things that I get interested in. Um, and so I actually started. I'm getting probably in... uh, I'm probably an instigator too, aren't I? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say something that I haven't told you about though, and that's uh, I I. You guys know, we've talked about it a few times, that I'm a big metalhead. I love uh, death metal, European metal, that kind of stuff. Well, I also really like stuff like jazz. And I really like um, like like beat music, like EDM and, and that kind of stuff. When I code a lot, I like to put EDM on. Yeah. Just get that rhythm going. You have to but enter also, the code. That's the yep. only way to enter the code. <laughs> to enter the code. <laughs> but I also like, uh, like, you know, synth wave. And just, I like a lot of stuff. And lately I've been inter- uh, listening to a lot of old kind of um, uh, beat maker stuff. Um, these are like, you know, people who take um, uh, sound clips and uh put them together to make music and i don't mean like you know the weird like clip clippy stuff that sounds like you know just bits and stuff i mean like you know actual beats and like dance music kind of stuff so i got myself a launch key mini mk uh, mark three which is a midi keyboard yeah and um and i've got uh some uh some uh uh Digital audio workstation DAW software installed, and I've been making some beats, and I've been having a good time with that. So that's been fun. My little thing—it's a little—it's a tiny one. It's like a 20, 25 key. It's got uh, about sixteen drum pads on it, so you can nice. play. You can play the drums on it with drum pads. You've got keys to be able to trigger, uh, you know, um, sound clips and uh, and samples and stuff. So I'm having just having fun with it, man. Just messing around, having a good time. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll have to we'll have to upload maybe some uh, some little clips or something once I feel uh, maybe I won't, maybe I won't you get can made redesign <laughs> maybe you can redesign our intro music now <laughs> horns forever Mexican ska I, I love horns it. forever right. I love how I love how Dan like 
like 50, 20 episodes in, Dan's like, what's up with the mariachi music? And I'm like, how have you not known that that was I think, I think I was, I think I listened to about three seconds of it when you first pitched the idea. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's royalty free, I don't care. If you like it, that's fine. And then I actually like started listening to the show and I'm like, Wait a is, minute. This, is this growing on me? I think I think it is, but for a while it may not have. But I liked I like it. it's fine now. Yeah, it's now. I could make us a new sequence so that Dan doesn't have to. Uh, no, I think Dan should always. I think Dan should always improv a Just, little news. news I, intro. It's so ridiculous. It's, it's like this dumb inside <laughs> joke. Yeah. Uh, the second thing I did for my Geek Week, um, I I can't remember if I said this last time, but I'm I'm. I'm finally playing Alice Madness Returns, which was the one. Remember, I got sucked into the. Oh yeah, you one, did American tell us Mickey's about that. Alice. I am playing the it, one that was on 360 now, and man, okay. it is a good game. I was nice. listening I'm, to the episode where you talked about this just in my car today, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on with him and Alice. Yeah, uh, so Madness Returns, um, it's living up to the first game too. Uh, the the feeling and the setting. Um, so this this one takes place um, years in the future, so the end of Alice. American McGee's Alice, which was circa 2000, right? Um, this game, I think, is like uh, t- somewhere around 2011. So it's about 10 years later that this game came out. Alice has been out of the insane asylum, but of course she's reverted back to um, just kind of some mental issues. And she's staying in an orphanage, which of course is like a decrepit orphanage. And you're like <laughs> kind of suspicious of the yeah. guy who's running the place. <laughs> like maybe he's doing things he isn't supposed to. And and uh, you know things just she's in the art style is really cool, but it's it takes place in like I don't know like the eighteen hundreds. Okay. Um, like late eighteen hundreds. Yeah, late eighteen hundreds. Yeah. So there's a little bit of you know innovative technology, but not really. Like you're getting to maybe things that kind of feel a little steampunky, maybe. Uh huh. You know, um, but she dives of course. She has catastrophic events that happen out in the real world, and you actually play in the real world for very short periods of time and then you know something will happen like she'll you know she'll she'll get run into an alley and some bad guys will chase her into an alley and like hit her and knock her out and then you'll you'll dive down into uh wonderland again and it's of course getting worse and worse every time you go back um so i really love the setting here you know it's really taking something that we kind of grew up with with the disney most of us didn't i probably didn't actually read the the original novel we probably just grew up seeing the disney cartoon right right but this is taking that and just totally twisting it um, and making it really dark and sinister. Uh, and I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. So uh, really good game. Uh, even even given that it's another 10-year-old game, it's holding up really well uh, yeah. for me. So I would recommend it if you, have, if you like that kind of stuff, stuff that dives into the mental, the weird, weird tales, strange stuff, uh, skewing what is reality, what is not reality. Uh, that's the kind of game that this is single player game and it because it's a 360 game it loads stupid fast on my xbox <laughs> i bet you know, it does so just play you can just boot up and play and so that's that's kind of fun anyways that's it for my geek week nice you had one nice. more item i was like, so excited oh uh, i did yes i think you'd like that so i finished i finally finished community season four nice. right uh i love i will say that i really have enjoyed um that show it's so great because it's only like a 20 minute things so you can just i can pop down and say i just want to laugh for a minute so yeah. i'm gonna pull on a community and dude i'll tell you the the muppet episode <laughs> that <laughs> was hilarious <laughs> dude chevy chase's muppet was perfect it's so, so weird. perfect so weird 
I'll tell you this though, you could definitely see Chevy Chase's character trailing off of the cast. Yeah. Near the end of he season was offending four. everybody on yeah. set. So they yeah. they kept having to figure out ways to keep him off the set. <laughs> yep. I you know, I started a little bit of season five and I'm not sure I want to keep going. Because you know, I mean it's about them in college. You get through the first four years, they get through college. And I know season five's kind of trying to tweak it a little bit, um, to get them all back. And I, I part of me is just kind of wants to just button it up and close it and say that was Let good. me just say, let me just say, it's okay. Well, see, season four is when Dan Harmon was gone. He comes back for season five. So if season four is kind of ant for you, uh, season five brings it back a little. Season six is the most missable one. But if you if you, if you you walk away from it, make sure you, you watch the second D&D episode. That one is... Um, okay, oh, you know... You and can't the, watch uh, the first one on Netflix. It's pulled. They pulled it. They oh yeah, because uh, of the uh, yeah dark the blackface. Quote yeah, black the blackface. Face. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and it's yeah. very you know, and it's a very debatable on if that is because the whole point of it was. I mean, they called it out as uh, right. like a hate crime, so they were kind of making a point. And <laughs> the fact that Netflix still pulled it is very debatable on yeah on the internet you right might now. be but able anyways, to find that rare. you might be able to find that on, it's still streaming on a couple yeah i bought places. it you can you can buy it too, you can buy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. itunes will happily sell it to yeah. you or amazon, <laughs> will. Yeah. amazon uh, and itunes happily. just just Voodoo real quick in season five uh you got a the one with there's an app development one where um they rate each other uh meow meow beans which is like you <laughs> yelp other human beings it is so yeah. great that's worth watching, and then there's a GI right, Then there's a GI GI Joe spoof, which is awesome. They do an animated GI Joe episode. Um, that and the second the second D and D one is not as funny as the first D and D one, but it's still a D and D one, and I love it for for what it is. I'll, it's a good show. I'll, I'll stop talking about Community. I could go on and on. <laughs> Definitely a good show. Yeah. All right, we ready for news? News, news, news time. News. News. News time. I feel like I'm in a drum line. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't really keep a beat. I don't know if you noticed or not. Uh, I've keep, it a, keep them away from, yeah, I was going to say, and auto-tune. <laughs> auto-tune. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. You know what's funny is the software actually will do that for you, what they call quantize. Like, if you're yeah. hitting your beat pads, it'll actually kind of, eh, I think I think you should move that a little bit. <laughs> Do you think you really want it to yeah. be there? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's fix that for you, buddy. Let's tweak it. So tweak. I heard uh, some like quote unquote like musicians talk about how they hated quantizing because it takes the um, oh. artistry out of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It makes everything like too formulaic. There's a time and a place. Yeah. I think for stuff like EDM uh, and dance music, you absolutely need it because it's there to have a on time beat on the floor. But there are other times too, and more of a jazzy method where you don't want it at all. You want the feeling that's there. Right. I'm cool with it, and I know I need it. I know I'm not musical. I grew up in a musical family. Everybody in my family practically plays an instrument except me. I'm terrible. So, <laughs> uh, getting back to the news real quick. It's all Wizards of the Coast news today, guys. Sorry about that. There is a new D and D setting. It is Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Yeah. It'll be a 256-page hardcover release covering 30 domains of Ravenloft. Each of these domains are countries ranging from large empires like Darkon to small almost city-state, uh, the almost city-state of Forlorn. Ooh, that sounds very forlorn. Um, and they're ruled over by a dark lord. So for all we were talking about, going 
dark horror style. We've talked about this before. If you really want your D&D to have an awesome Ravenloft vibe, you've got a book for it. It's I think it's out now. I think you can order it right now. Yeah, it uh, it looks pretty cool, especially if that is your setting. Like, if you want to run a Van Helsing campaign or something like that, like, that is going to be awesome. I mean, they've got some cool, like, half... Um, have vampire kind of uh, races. They've got some, uh, I guess they're clans now or whatever they call them. But um, yeah, I mean, it looks really cool. It looks really, really cool. My favorite part of Ravenloft is it uh, harkens back to the original D&D. That was one of their very earliest adventures was Ravenloft. And they've kept it going. And I've, I think some people really like it. I know a lot, you know, people run Strahd all the time mm-hmm. um, and have a grand old time. I think it's great. It's it's interesting because the first Ravenloft book I ever read was Lord Soth, Knight of the Black Rose. Um, and it was just, that was one of the early original Ravenloft books when they first created that um, setting that branched off of the uh, Dragonlance uh, setting in the books. Right. Uh, because Lord Soth was a knight of the... Um, He's not of the Black Rose because his nose went black. Or nose, his ro- his rose went black when he committed a pretty bad sin. But he was one of those. If you remember, I don't remember what they're called. But it was like the Knight of the Crimson Roses or Red Roses. There was some super like elect, like straight paladin group in the Dragonlance series. Like if one of these knights with this red rose on his chest plate comes up to you, you know he's the most honest, loyal person that will do everything for you. You can trust everything he says. And he was one right. of those, but he like got corrupted. Uh-oh. And then he got sucked into the realm of Ravenloft and got his own, just like Strahd has his own domain, right? Lord Soth also has his own domain yeah. in uh, Ravenloft as well. And they're trapped. Those big baddies that get sucked into Ravenloft, they get trapped in their domains and they can't leave them. Ugh. It's like their it's like their eternal punishment. But anyways, so yeah, I Ravenloft goat takes me way back, uh, and I really enjoy that kind of stuff. I think it's great. I think it's great. I I've never played in Strahd. I've never played in Ravenloft, but I would like to one of these days. So maybe maybe it'll happen. Next item of news is Hasbro announced they're reorganizing their company and making Wizards of the Coast its own subdivision. Whoa. The restructuring divides Hasbro into three subdivisions. There's consumer products, toys, and mass market board games like Monopoly and Clue. Entertainment, which has, you know, film and television production and licensing. And the third is Wizards and Digital, placing Wizards of the Coast front and center along with digital licensing. So um, Wizards is becoming a much bigger deal uh, in in the structure of Hasbro. Uh, pretty interesting stuff. Um, also, Wizards announced two new license expansions for Magic the Gathering with Warhammer 40K and Lord Dang. of the Rings. What the what? These two sets will be part of a promotion called Universes Beyond, which will explore stories outside the standard multiverse of Magic the Gathering. Like previous licensed products for Magic the Gathering, features uh, featuring the likes of Godzilla, or characters from The Walking Dead, these expansions will have a holofoil stamp to differentiate them and will not be legal for tournament play in any format. The first of these Universe Beyond expansions will come out in 2022. 
Forgotten Realms themed expansion slated for a 2020 release, Adventures in Forgotten Realms, will be a standard set and not part of the Universes Beyond promotion. So, they're printing cards that are compatible with the game but have no place in tournament play. Um, <laughs> and they're getting out into other IPs. What do I think about this? I'm going to give it a thumbs up because I don't play Magic Tournament style. Uh, uh, what do you guys think about this? Uh, you know, this is one of those things that it's like, it's uh, totally, in my opinion, pandering to the fans. You this know is what I mean? This a stunt. Yeah. So this is like um, going to Vegas and getting the Grand Canyon player cards because you were able to go see the Grand Canyon in a helicopter. Right. It's like going you know? going uh, into a casino and playing the Star Wars slot machine, which yeah. they have, and I've never played it. You're surprised, I know, but they have those. <laughs> so... I, I don't know. Um, we're talking about the. Uh, are we talking about the third bullet there in your news? Yeah, Magic. The, are yeah, you okay, Jay? Right. I know you're. You've no, got, I'm you've sorry. Got real, you're juggling real life, and we're podcasting. I'm juggling real life at the same time, and that's so. awesome. And and, and real life is more important to be quite honest. I think that this is cool um, because mainly because Magic the Gathering has a high bar for their artwork. So even if it um, if it is just kind of a short collector's thing, um, I think it'd be. I, I really enjoyed playing Magic: The Gathering. I was never really good at it, but I still like really loved the game when I played it. Um, I could see myself picking up um, the expansion for this just to be able to play it, play Magic: The Gathering in this kind of a lore setting, and to collect the artwork because mm. they just have such a high bar for their they artists, um, and I think it's going to be really cool. Thing. But I kind of see what you're saying, Justin. I think it's one of those things that's going to come. They're going to have an expansion. It's going to be like, all right, that was cool, uh, and then it'll probably just go away. But I'm, you know, we'll see. I don't, I don't know too many 40k players that are also like Magic: The Gathering players. It's such a different vibe. It's a just a totally different type of thing. And both, and the other thing is, both of those hobbies are very free money consuming. Right. Yeah. Any any free money you have, so like to do both of those at the same time to yeah. be a competitive Magic player, you're dishing out lots of money because Hundreds. you are co yeah constantly keeping up with the latest expansions that come out. Um, and it's this kind of the same way with 40k. They like to trick you in 40k and say, "Well, there's a plateau. Once you get your army, then you're not spending any more money." I, I that's BS. <laughs> it's just total. It's totally BS. You know it's. Because once you get your army, which by the way, by the time it takes you to get the army that you feel happy competitively, some new fact comes out, some new tome comes out, yep. um, changes the way you have to adjust your army. Well, now I need that model, and that model is only available in that box, so I got to buy that box. Now, of course, I need to paint that model, and yeah. it's just it's never ending. So I don't know. Well, to, look on the bright side. X-wing just released a whole bunch of new products, which are they're reprinting old models, reprinting. Uh, painting them and putting new cards in the box and cramming three models into a box and charging up the wazoo and going, wow, isn't this a great value? And I'm like, I don't need any more of that crap. Uh, <laughs> and I used to be like one of the, I used to every, every wave, I, I had to collect three or four ships in every wave. I had to, I had to, I had to. And now this stuff's coming out. And I'm like, huh, no, that's nice. Um, at least we're, you're not in the ho-hum level yet for uh, 40K. Mm -hmm. 
because I'm straight up in ho-hum land. That's me personally. There must be other people who are passionate about the game. Well, I, I have not bought a Magic the Gathering booster pack or expansion in several years. So I have all my 1990s cards and some cards I bought in the early 2000s, very early 2000s, maybe even late 1990s. And I think you and I played once with a with a buddy of ours and his son-in-law. Yeah. And that was the last time I played Magic the Gathering. That was easily a decade ago. Yeah, um, it's funny because... Um... Remember, we went to Gen Con with one of our buddies, a John, and uh, on the way out there, he was like, yeah, I threw a bunch of my old magic cards in the back of the yeah. truck. I figured once we got there, I would just trade them for some cash so I can get a game. So then, yeah. you know, John is a very, he's such a fun guy to play games with, but he also kind of has a little bit of just like a calm personality all the time. Yeah. So I remember we were, we were walking, I was like, yeah, I, I went and sold my magic cards. Like, okay, cool, cool. And then we're walking for a little bit, talking about other stuff. And then I was like, oh, by the way, how much did you get for your magic cards? There's something like 5000 or <laughs> Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? You what did yeah. he have? What? How come he didn't come he had, out of there? He like, had a lot of cards. For us, you know? I don't, dude, because if I'd, if I'd walked out of there and like, yeah, we'll give you we'll give you four hundred dollars. I've been running out. Justin, Justin, guess what? Yeah. I got four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, everyone would have known if it was like three grand. Yeah. He was doing cartwheels down the Gen Con and kicking people in the face. <laughs> right. That is great. No, uh, that was an awesome game of Magic 10 years ago because we were playing with new players plus old players. And all I had was old junk. And none of these new guys had seen the new stuff, had seen the old stuff. And every time I played a card, two guys would like hover over what I had played and were studying it because they had no idea what it was or how to counter there it. There you go. That was, yeah. those were fun times. I, we still need to have a dead card game night uh, at my house one of these. But then there's that one guy in the room when you play this card, and I was like, "What's that card?" And the guy's like, "Oh, that card was banned in 2012 due to a ruling of yeah. blah, blah 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 blah." And you're like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that, that happened too." <laughs> cool. Well, that's the news, folks. We are now back into our main topic time. I won't do an outro because I don't want to ruin. Uh, what's the our night. topic? Oh, right. I don't know. You're going to violate my boundaries. The topic is boundaries. boundaries. The topic is boundaries. So yes, we <laughs> we um, watched. Uh, I'll, I'll set us up a little bit here. So we um, were thinking about what podcast to do this week, and I came across a video on YouTube that was talking about a recent Twitch. Um, live stream of an RPG called Far Verona, which is a sci-fi um, RPG setting. Uh, anyway, so it had a DM. It had, uh, I think there was, what, two male players, two female players in there. And um, uh, one of the, you know, they, they got their kind of Twitch production thing going on. So one of the females, she was like a little, little boy robot or something like that. And so every time she would speak, it'd come out and like, sound like a little kid robot you know and um anyway so what was going on is the uh i, I don't know how it was set up but apparently the gm um was describing a pretty uh racy scene that took, ended up he took yeah. something that could have been described very technically like fixing a robot and instead of it being technical yeah he decided to make it sexual he sexualized Something yes. that should have been mundane 
or could have yep. been mundane. I don't know should have, but clearly it could have been described in a yeah. mundane way. And yeah, so he basically walked through this robot's first sexual experience on Twitch. Yeah. And 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 let's the... be clear, the player character was a female and the GM's a male. And she had no idea it was coming. Yeah. You know, like, like she was like, what is happening? And you can kind of see is like, he kept walking this down. You know what I mean? At first she was like, okay, I'm playing along. I'm playing along. I'm playing along. And then by the end, she's like, what just happened? And, um, the two other male players were just like, what is happening here? And there's one other female player and her mouth was just a gate the whole time. Her jaw was dropped. Yeah. Yeah. She was just like, what is going on? And, um, it was kind of interesting because the DM just pushed forward. I mean, he had it in his mind that this was going to be a, um, provocative experience. I'm assuming, you know, because it was on Twitch and like broadcast out there that, you know, this is going to be a, you know, this, I'm, I'm spicing something up that, um, that was like you said, Dan supposed to be kind of mundane, you know? So I'm like, I'm really spicing it up and and we're going to have some fun with it. And it totally backfired. And, and and to be fair, I didn't watch the whole game session, but right, I saw neither clips did I. from it, and I saw enough to be like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me! And yeah, basically, it ended that group, and that guy's not running that game anymore, and the whole yep. thing imploded. Yeah, and I mean, in our in our world of social media, right? Like the girl who was the character was like, I had no idea this was gonna happen, and you know, I did not, ex- you know, I did not consent to that, and. You know, the other players are just being like, we're distancing ourselves, and the GM had to come out with this huge, like, long Twitter apology and stuff like that. And um, anyway, so that prompted our discussion today, which is boundaries. Like, what kind of boundaries um, should we plan for in our games? Like, what kinds of things, like, do you do to help players be comfortable? Is it okay to get into more like R-rated content or should you just keep it G all the time? You know what I mean? And and like listen, to be honest with you, nobody wants to play a freaking Disney game all the time, right? Where the animals sew your clothes and you know, you always uh you always end up winning. You know what I mean? All the time. Yeah. Um and I had a game so, like that on the Wii for my daughter. Yeah, it was exactly. Great when she was like three it's like just hold the controller and shake it right exactly That's all you got to do you'll always get the points <laughs> yeah and uh and so anyway the um the point is is that i think that what i'd like to get out of this conversation with you two personally is how can we have more mature games but ensure that we respect boundaries because I think that there are mature topics that are fun to explore in RPGs without um, going too far. Um, my first response to that question is, I think everybody who... So one of the things that's really important about RPGs, particularly because it's an open universe, a lot of things can happen that couldn't happen in, in a board game or in, in another more structured game, right? Yeah. Um, so whether everyone signs a consent form or not, there there is an unwritten social contract in gaming, in all types of gaming, and particularly 
with RPGs. The social contract is the GM's here to make sure everybody has a good time. The GM is a player too, right? And and everybody's consensus to the contrivance of the fiction is part of the joy of doing it, right? So you have to, everyone kind of brings a consensus attitude to the table. So yeah, one of the first things that you do that you need to be explicit about is if the genre isn't explicit about what rating it should be movie style, you should say, I think we're going to be playing a PG-13 rated game here. I think we're going to be playing yeah. an R-rated game. Or I think this is definitely would be an NC-17 type game. I think if right. you just said that before anybody created a character and and people had an opportunity to opt in or opt out, that would be very helpful as far as ironing out expectations. Because you're like, okay, if I'm going to go... When I go see a rated R movie, I know they're going to push certain things far but they will only go so far right and and i think that uh your use of movie ratings is spot on right uh, like because you could get lost in some vagaries you're like okay so we're gonna we're gonna you know do this campaign we're gonna use a shadow of the demon lord campaign and it touches on some mature themes okay well what like what does that mean like what does mature yeah. themes mean like is it is it um you know, uh, psychotic psychopaths, you know what I mean? Is it sexual? Is it, yeah. is it like bloodlust? I mean, you know, like, is it, um, like, uh, difficult politics, you know, I right. mean, like, uh, you know, like morally great decisions. I mean, mature decision, mature themes could mean anything, but when you say, Hey, okay, so we're going to play this as a, uh, PG 13 with like maybe a little bit of, uh, morally gray decisions that you have to make yeah you know and people are like okay well that means you know no you know no like overt sexual stuff it might get a little bit more adult but not like beyond r type of thing right. so I, I think that framework is the right way at least it gives you a starting point to see what everybody's comfortable with because you may mm -hmm. be sitting around and everybody's like Hey, I really, you know, I'm fine with R-rated or, or or worse. And there might be one person going, "Really, I'm kind of a PG-13 person," yeah. um, and that person huh. needs to say that out loud. Now, there's other parts of boundaries that are really important for this conversation because this never used to be a thing we used to worry about. I came of age in the late '80s, early 1990s, where it was the golden age of bullying, and we nobody really had to worry about other people's feelings, uh, hardly ever. Uh, and that was weird to really over bend over backwards. But now there's certain things that can happen in a role-playing game that could maybe upset somebody because they've dealt with some things in their lives and it doesn't have to be sexual or violence based. It just could be right. a certain circumstance where somebody that we sometimes use the term triggered or something like that. Um, the GM may not know that they're, doing something that's bothering that's hurting somebody's mental health so first of all if your mental health is being hurt it's kind of your responsibility to say something quickly quickly do a sidebar and it's never wrong to just say i'm not having fun i hope you guys have a great game and walk away digitally or physically yeah. from the table i've done that we talked about that in another episode um i think that's a way in bounds i think that respects the social contract of the game which is I'm not having any fun. This is bothering me. Now you as the GM, your responsibility is to make sure everybody's having fun. And you may not have known you've screwed up and do the best you can to rectify that, but give people their space 
clearly if you hit some a sensitive area, the you know time can heal a lot of wounds. There's also there's tools uh, that can be employed. You know, I think it is our responsibility if we are starting to move into a territory uh, that's uncomfortable for us to say something. But there's also there are different types of people and different types of personalities, and some people may not have. Yeah. Um, they may not have the social and emotional tools to to come out and say, "Hey, I'm I'm moving and we're moving somewhere I can't I can't be." Yeah. Um, and that's where you know there there are tools available, and I think just in this, I think this is a really easy problem to solve. Actually, yeah. be, with you know there there are um, well, for example, there are the lines and veils, which was uh, uh, kind of first established by Enron Edwards, um, kind of. I don't even know if you call it a paper or not. I guess you kind of call it a white paper called Sex and Sorcery back uh-huh. from 2003 where he established the concepts of line. Maybe not, not he created the concepts, but he kind of first defined what lines and veils are. He wrote them are. down, right. Yeah, wrote them down. And then there's the X card, which is a more recent thing by John, and I don't know how to say his last name, so I'm going to say John S. But uh, And that's actually under the Creative Commons. And I have played with both of these in games at Gen Con, and I think it's I think it's perfect, and I think it solves the problem right up front. Can you explain to them a little bit more for some of our listeners who may be unfamiliar? Yeah, absolutely. So the X card is a very simple situation. It's when you sit down at the table, you say, we're going to play a game. Um, we understand that everybody comes from different backgrounds. If there is something that we are starting to get into that makes you uncomfortable in any way, there's a card, a tiny little index card put down either at the center of the table or one that's put down in front of you. And it has an X written on it. And you can either lift the card or you can just tap it with your finger. So if the, if the GM starts to describe something that seems uncomfortable or inappropriate in your mind, you just reach out and you tap that card. And the rules are that nobody says anything about it. Nobody addresses it. Nobody questions it. The GM just adjusts what he's saying and he moves on. Yeah. If there's ever a situation where the GM doesn't, un, like maybe he was describing two things at the same time. And he gets confused. At that point, they say the, the, the approach is to then just pause the game real quick. And, and then the person that tapped the card just sets aside with the GM and, and lets them know. But it's a very easy way to say, you know, I just don't like it. Just tap it, you know, do a little tap in the center. And you just move on. And everybody accepts that if somebody taps the card, you don't question it. You just move on. Just and that's move the on. X card. The lines and veils, I think, need to be combined with the X card. Because they help make sure the GM never goes into the areas that he shouldn't um, as well. So when with lines and veils, right, when you sit down at the table, you take like one minute. When you sit down, you pass an index card to everyone. You say, write down your lines and your veils for me as a GM. And you don't put your name on it. You just write it down and you just, then you shuffle it into the, in the middle of the table and the GM picks them up. And he doesn't read them out loud, but he just reads them so he knows what to say. A line is something that cannot be crossed. For example... Um, uh, you could, you know, you could say like, uh, maybe there's somebody who's had a history and they say, you know, d- domestic abuse. Yeah. And so they would just write domestic abuse on the card line and the DM would just know I cannot include that. It's not going to be part of the game. Or if it is, I've got to find a way to get around it and just change it for this individual. A veil is something that's like, um, I don't mind it, but I don't feel comfortable if we get very descriptive, like for example, sex, right? So you could say, I'm fine with having sex in our games because that's part of life and we're playing a, a, you know, a big kid game, but I'm not fine with it being overly descriptive. So that would be a veil. So it gives you a little bit more opportunity for the GM to be, to include it, 
Um, yeah. But then there's also the option for you to kind of tap the X card when it gets a little out of hand. I think if those things are established right at the beginning and everyone is okay with it, then it just you have the tools to move beyond it and not get stuck in a bad situation. I would say for a convention game, and I've run convention games, I wish I would have had that. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. And because you just don't know who's showing up. You don't know. Yeah, totally. You know, you're flying blind, and you, you there's no way you have a crystal ball, or you're not a mind reader. And the best you can do is have emotional intelligence to see what people's facial expressions are. But even that is not completely sufficient. So I think that's yeah. great. I think yeah. with some of like an old gaming group where people know each other really well, I see that happening less, but I definitely see how the X card could still come in handy, uh, even on a, even with an old gaming group. Yeah, one of the, the, the person who wrote it, uh, John S., <laughs> he's, got, he's got a foreign name. I don't want to butcher it. I butcher things all the time. Uh, he said, it, kind of at the end, he says, um, the key with the X card is to demystify it by using it. He says, if you just leave it on the center and, and everyone's waiting for that, like, most worst case thing ever to hit the card, then it becomes this mystifying thing and yeah. everyone's kind of like, should I use right. it? He says, but if you use it and you use it often, it just becomes part of your system and your mechanics and everyone gets okay with it. And you have to crack the seal. You have to crack the seal. Otherwise, yeah. it's, it's, you know vacuum sealed forever right. all right so let me let me ask you this let me run through a couple scenarios here real quick one um well I, I, first i'm gonna give my opinion about the lines and veils i think that that is a great thing to do with uh your home gaming group i don't think writing down lines and veils at a con makes much sense just because you only have a limited amount of time you know what I mean? And you don't want to like be like, okay, here's your pencils and papers, you know. Um, but you could do something so. to say, hey, this is a PG-13 rated game. This is an oh, yeah. R-rated game. Right. 100%. And I think that if you frame it there and then use the X card, I think that that is sufficient for like a con game. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, but if you are going to be getting into a lot of homebrew stuff, like if you're going to be getting into – because like let's face it. I mean with it, if you're using a D&D out-of-the-box adventure – you're not, I mean, this PG to PG 13, like those adventures, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's no real, um, crazy stuff, but no, there's, nah, there's, there that's, are, that's um, for D and D, but yeah. there's some, there's some, Oh yeah, no, I agree. I, that's what I'm saying. Shadow of the demon Lord ones. Right. Oh, I a hundred percent indeed. I a hundred percent agree. Rated like, X. I, well, yeah, you, you, ha- you as the game master and the player need to be aware of the unwritten rules. And sometimes mm-hmm. the game master should say stuff out loud. Like, hey, yeah. we're playing Serenity. We're playing Firefly. One of these characters could be a prostitute. Yeah. That was in the TV show. That was on TV. Yeah. That was PG-13. Yeah. But, you know. The, Severe adult content there, in the description there, for the game. There can be. You can just talk about some of the ele- elephants in the room yeah. if you're comfortable doing that. Now, if, if you're worried about offending people, it's better to offend them in the first two minutes of playing than after two, three, four hours or two, three, four months or two, three, four years, quite frankly. Right. Offend yep. early or at least talk about things. <laughs> like it's better to be offensive early. Early early and often. Be, 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 <laughs> be, be your worst right off the bat or just say, hey, this is where I think this is going. And some genres have certain tropes that make sense. And you could say this game is, this is an Android game. This feels kind of like 
uh, Blade Runner, which was a rated right. R movie. So there's going to be things in that that's like Blade Runner. Let everybody know. So if there's yeah. a kid at the table yeah. who's eight years old who goes, oh, I-, I thought we were just going to shoot laser guns, <laughs> they need to know that they're getting into a different experience. Or use the well, may, yeah, may, and, change and, the ex- may change it for them. Well, and that's the thing is like, um, for example, I was going to say this too. Um, when you, so, so like, I'm going to back up real quick. Um, if you're with your home gaming group, you know, the people that you're playing with and some, maybe you don't know all the people that well. Right. Um, but you're about to embark on a longer campaign. I think that the lines and veils is fantastic to do really? because yeah, in session zero, you might as well do it yeah. in session zero. Right. Mm-hmm. Like go ahead and do that. Just get it out of the way and be like, okay, here's my, you know, blurred lines and here's my hard lines. And I got that. And, and uh, you know, and by the way, we're running this type of a campaign that has these types of things. So you can frame it for them. You can talk to the X card. You can do all of that. Yeah. A campaign's a little bit different, right? You can say, Hey, we're playing shadow of the, demon lord i ran a shadow of the demon lord and a dude brought his two sons who were like nine and 13 right yeah and i knew in that moment and i didn't even need to say it keep it pg-13 right i mean no matter what like the descriptions of how things die like the you know unfortunately i was playing a pretty benign one it was the the night of the zombies it wasn't the one know, with the, so. the naked chick on the front no <laughs> Exactly. Oh, you <laughs> yeah. see the inside art. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so I was playing a zombies one, you know, and but at the same time, I'm like, okay, I'm keeping this um, even lighter than The Walking Dead because The Walking Dead's not appropriate for like probably a nine year old, you know. Yeah. So, but keep it, keep it like you know, TV, TV, you know, thirteen maybe even yeah. you know because the dad brought the kid to Shadow of the Demon Lord game, so I'm like, okay. You know, um, but uh, then I ran uh, another session with all young adults, basically, and um, it was the uh, A Year Without Rain, which has some pretty grisly, like, demonic stuff in it, you know, sure. and um, that one, like, they were all into, like, they were, you know, and to be fair, I didn't have the conversation of, like, hey, this is Shadow of the Demon Lord. I mean, I did tell them, like, this is Shadow of the Demon Lord, and it's pretty dark, and, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, we know what this is. We want to play it. <laughs> we know what you it know? is. So I and said, okay, thing, you know. You, you, different games have different uh, uh, understandings or tropes, and yeah. and people either they know or they don't know, and it's your job to let everybody know, to set a baseline, just set a baseline. Yeah. From a GM perspective, here's some other pointers. First of all, don't be a jerk. Be nice. Treat people with respect. Yep. I mean, I know it goes without saying, but sometimes being reminded of the basics can be really valuable. And you'd be surprised in gaming how if you game for as many years as I have, sometimes you find people who are jerks who don't know how to be nice and don't know how to treat people with respect. So if that is kind of what, uh, if, if, you know, that's something that needs to be, that needs to happen. Like that GM in the story we told at the beginning could have been less of a jerk. And worse, he was kind of being a super creep. If he was narrating a lot of stuff that was just creepy. He was he clearly had planned it out to be creepy. Well, uh, and, and RPGs yeah. don't need to exist to tickle your weird fetish. Let's be quite clear. <laughs> it's so true. Don't share your 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 kinks with the players in your group. I mean, keep keep it keep separate have some separation in life for goodness sake 
there's there's another part to that too that I think is important, which is, um, and we've talked about this so many times, right? Um, it's everybody's game, and so yeah. that 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 GM when he was going through that experience, he made it in that moment his game, right? And nobody else's game, right? And he was he was just humdinging with that thing, um, you know, with this experience that he had cooked up in his mind. And he wasn't taking the temperature in the room. He wasn't like feeding off of the other players because if he did, he, he would have seen all of their shocked faces. Yeah. He was doing a lot of shushing of the player yeah. who was receiving bad things, and that and he was in game. the The NPC was shushing. Yeah, and it was just weird. So, so I mean, the point the point is is I think that if you um, make sure if you can let go of your ego. Because the thing is, is you put work into it and you want it. You're like, oh, I think that they're going to like this. I think they're going to like this. And you may be saying in your head, like, okay, they don't like it now, but wait till the end. But wait till the end, you know, and um, but you just got to keep taking that temperature and just being like, okay, they don't like yeah. this. It's time to like so let's do say, a 180. Let, let's say they had done lines and veils. And let's say all the players were like, we don't care. NC-17, sky's the limit. Do whatever you want. Right. Let's just say that. Yeah. Let's just say that was a possibility, and then he pushed it beyond. And then in the moment, they get offended, and he could say, "Well, you guys didn't write down in your lines and veils that you didn't want me to do this. I have every right to do it because, because you didn't tell me not to." I think, from a social contract point of view, he still shouldn't have done it, even if yeah. even if they had done other stuff in that campaign that was dark. He he, he took it way too far. And, uh, and and we're talking about a scenario that probably most of our listeners haven't watched, and I don't even advise watching it. I mean, you, some of you are probably yeah. cu- if you're curious, watch it. It's not that big of a deal. But yeah. at the same time, you know, you should pull back, even if you think you have the right to do something. You should probably dial it dial it down. And yeah, if you remember as a GM that you're a player too, and you're actually on the player's team to make sure they have a great experience, you won't be doing weird stuff. You won't be you won't be creepy. You won't be creepy if you get your head in the right space. In my opinion. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you won't be creepy relative to what the group considers creepy. Right. 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 And and if you're the one pushing the, now everybody's had a player at the table who's like, "Dude, will you just stop being so weird?" It's one thing when the GM does it, it's another thing when a player does it, right? Cuz people can peer pressure a player and just not ruining the group. In that case, it was the GM being creepy. Now, a good RPG group can be completely obliterated in about two minutes due to bad behavior, particularly on the GM side, sometimes on the player side. So if you have a good group that you like and you're on a Twitch channel and you have thousands of followers, don't pull a pin on a grenade and destroy it. Do everything you can to keep the group together by not being a jerk, by not being a creep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And listen, I mean... One of the lessons that they, uh, hopefully this GM learned, which is you're also broadcasting this on Twitch. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, in this, in this specific case. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, having, having kind of a, a, a weird racy, you know, RPG session as you're all sitting around your gaming table is one thing doing it on Twitch that everybody can tune in and you're hoping your viewers see it as well is another, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and um, download so, it again and copied and replayed. Oh, dude, there's, so there's, so, so there's some yeah. serious self-awareness issues there. Yeah. Um, listen, my default 
when I go into anything, it's PG-13, to be honest That's with you. That's about right. You know, it's PG-13. I can push... I know I can push some boundaries. It doesn't have to be a Disney game, you know, but... Uh, you know, I don't do a lot of like offensive swearing. I, you know, I try to, I try to put in some uh, morally gray choices to make things interesting, you know. Um, but uh, you know, I was horrified the other day, Jason, when we had our entire party murder those poor goblins. <laughs> I'm sorry. You did know? you? I'm sorry. Did you say entire party murder? Oh, that's true. Goblins? Sorry. Sorry. There were sorry. two of us. Half of half of our party. Yes. yes. Half of the party that murdered them. Thank you. And I'm just like, uh, where's my X card? I want out. <laughs> so it was it was an epitome of racism. So <laughs> one of the things you bring up a really interesting point in the show notes. I made a note. If you're, let's say you're a player at the table and the GM's doing one thing and the players doing another, it's not gelling. It's kind of your job to stick up for people who are being victimized, who are players, people. I'm not talking about imaginary goblins, right? Yeah. But yeah. Um, you have an opportunity to to tell the GM at the table, saying, "I think you're being a jerk to Sally over there. Why are, Why are you doing that?" And you can interrupt the game to say you're being a jerk. Um, it's more important to rectify that stuff quickly and early than it is to let it persist. Because the the longer it goes, the worse everything is going to get for everybody because wouldn't it have been great if one of those two dudes sitting there with their jaws open said, dude, do we have to do this? You're being lame. That would have been really good. That would have, there wouldn't be a story. We wouldn't be talking about it right now. If, yeah. the, if the GM was like, I'm not being lame. And everybody's like, yeah, dude, you're being lame. Can we not <clears> do this? There wouldn't, yeah. have, there wouldn't have been a story. Yep. And there would still be a gaming group. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, instead it got really weird for everybody. So, yeah, yeah he listen, fade, he could have faded to black. And yeah, yeah, I mean, that over. Yeah. I listen, <laughs> bound, bound? in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> we we grow up with, um, you know, certain certain customs, certain religious views and things like that. And our, I mean, our view of a lot of it is that, like, these boundaries exist to help protect us in terms of um making good choices being a good person like you know i mean all, all that kind of stuff and i think that boundaries work similar in an rpg you know they're there to help protect the integrity of the game they're there to help protect the gm so he doesn't get in hot water and they're there to protect the players so that they're they have a good time and they don't they don't get put into an uncomfortable position where they have to um, feel like they're the only one to speak out against something that's making them uncomfortable, whether it be from the GM or another player or something like that, you know? Yeah, I, to I totally agree with that. And you know what? I mean, coming from my age background and kind of how we would have never had this discussion when I started yeah. gaming when I was a teenager, and there was lots of bad behavior, and it just got tolerated because civilization was less civilized uh to be quite frank and I, I think it's good that we're doing this it's better it's better to have a more thoughtful approach to it to keep the fun going than it is to have everybody just behave badly um if it's not fun for you don't play it, it, it's like you know if you're playing parcheesi or 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 monopoly just say this is not my game phase 10 just say this is not my it's game not i'm not having I'm, I'm, I'm not having fun it's okay to tap out um, it's not like you're breaking anyone's hearts. It's not like you're 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 setting their house on fire to walk away. Now, you might 
you know, the GM who thinks that they're, <laughs> they're, they're the greatest may, their ego may be bruised, but guess what? Uh, have more emotional awareness not to go down that those roads. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, we encourage all of you to, uh, you know, take a look at uh, what you got going on and maybe incorporate some of this stuff in, uh, in boundaries, uh, you know, in your RPGs and your games. And uh, hopefully this is giving you some ideas to better connect with your players and uh, make sure that you got a, a good spot for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Make, so. yep. make room at the table yeah. for everybody. I'm sorry, Jay. No, it was a green. Yeah, absolutely. All right. There's space all right. for all. There is. There absolutely is. So thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. We uh, just want to encourage you to keep on gaming and uh, like and share our podcast. Leave us some comments, even if uh, you want to troll us. I mean, we welcome trolls at this point. So <laughs> We would like some attention. You know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening, and uh, have a great evening. All right. Take care. Later. Bye.